listen up you can be anything in the world hey what's going on what's going on marcus not much another day in paradise oh you call this paradise <laughs> so we're back again uh welcome back to my brother and me thank you for tuning in uh myself mr tnf coach uh <clears throat> so yeah like beautiful weather yeah it is a nice day i just want to say everyone on the east coast be safe oh yeah the um, storms and we got stuff. the storms coming i got a lot of family members still on the east coast everybody stay safe everybody get to shelter if they say evacuate evacuate you know, material things can be replaced. Yeah, why, why people don't ever want to evacuate? What, what's that about? Like, hey, some people got in their mindset they gonna weather. They pay too much for their house and they business. They gonna, they gonna, they gonna literally lay there till the wheels fall off or to to, to come out the engines. But me, you ain't you. You just tell me it's on the way. <laughs> Three days in advance, y'all gonna see me packing up all my stuff and I'm like, where you going? Mm -hmm. Any place but here. But you know, hey, but some people. They feel like they, they they put all their blood, sweat, and tears and, you know, life's earnings into the, their homes and property that they're going to sit there. If it go down, they're going down with it. I mean, I understand that. I understand, you you know, you work hard for your things. But but I'm not putting my life down for no house. I'm just not. like. I... <clears throat> well, and that's, and, that's, and that's where sacrifice and what you feel is important comes into play. Uh, me... I like living too much. I don't, I don't want to wake up dead, so I'm leaving. That's what you get insurance for, right? Well, and, and that's another story within itself. I, you know, just to backtrack on this, what we're talking about briefly is um, when the the floods happened in um, New Orleans, a lot of people had insurances, had insurance, but the insurance companies um, did not live up to their obligation. A lot of people didn't get what they should have gotten um, out of the damage, so you yeah. Know. But since then, they they've also implemented like uh, legislation to protect those people in those national disasters. Right, like but I'm, I'm just speaking on how some people, you know, people's mindset mindset is that they don't they don't tr they don't trust. There's a lot of distrust in the in the nation nowadays, so no one really trusts anybody to really be of their word. So um, yeah, you know, insurance companies they're all about their money. So right. you know. If it means them having to do a whole bunch of payouts to people, they're going to make you jump through hoops to, to yeah, get that money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> but uh, I mean, because you see that, you know, when I was living in California, you seen that with the fires and all right. that stuff. And those uh, fires destroyed a whole city. As they are right now, right? You know, um, it's been and shout out to the east. Uh, shout out to the west coast, California, and all those. Yeah. And and anyone in the surrounding <laughs> areas. Um, even though you might not be getting a fire, but the the toxic taxation of that smoke in the air, yeah, the air quality, the air quality is is you know garbage. So you know yeah. it's a lot of stuff going on as far as natural disasters here in the nation. And in these last and trying days, you know, as they used to say, the church of these last and evil days. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean that's you know I I laugh and seem kind of make it a joke, but it's it's serious though. You know, it's a lot going on. Right. Uh, pray for the people on the West Coast, the people on the East Coast, people in um, Haiti, people in Haiti. Uh, pray for the soldiers over in Afghanistan going back to help get other people, soldiers right. get back. Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, they had a, some issues uh, this over this past weekend um, over there where there was a uh, intense firefight there at the airport, and 
so as they're trying to evacuate uh, American citizens and soldiers <clears throat> so yeah just pray for people around the world there's a lot going on uh, it seems like we go from one one major event to the next you know mm -hmm. with COVID still going on and you know spikes going on everywhere um, pray for uh, pray for everybody man um, you know, it definitely that's something that me and my family continually pray for everybody and uh, affected by all these things going on uh, going going segueing off of that into you know what what we're going to discuss today <clears throat> is our education system and how you know a lot of those things that we're talking about right now are being affected you know or those things are affecting the education system um and how we educate and everything and um you know just crazy stuff going on you know just in the united states as far as you know n not being a you know as united as we would like to be right um we have a lot of um uh, segregated politics and mindsets that are forcing that's the forcing function behind uh, how we educate and things like that you know politics and religion and <clears throat> um uh health all those things are are some things um uh, that are pulling and pushing at our education system and who who is affected most by that are the children right our, our young minds um you know from college all the way down to primary school um you're seeing just a lot going on um distance learning um a lot of people going to homeschool the curriculum that's being taught in schools <clears throat> so um i mean coach what is what's your thoughts on that like let's, let's start off with the, the distance learning because of covid right um i think this pandemic has exposed a lot of flaws within our um, operating systems in the country as a whole. Education was exposed as far as the capability of our young people learning. Um, I think the ball the ball was dropped because when you look at it, when you look at it, a lot of the kids almost was, were. Um, teaching themselves because they didn't have the support at home to really learn because in school the teacher can actually physically be there to you know answer questions give more time to the question and if you had a question it wasn't a time limit on it because you was in, in the presence of your instructor so you can you know communicate with one another Another issue I feel with our education system is the actual educators themselves. Um, I was out and, and I was watching this um, little um, clip on YouTube where this young this young man got kicked out of class because he made a good point. He was you know he you know the teacher told him to get out. He was like, maybe if you change your teaching style, we'll be motivated to learn. You know, you need to stop looking at this job as a check and look at it as someone who are who is motivating young minds and young people to do better in life. He said, if you engage them, engage us and not just talk to us, you can get better results. And the teacher kicked him out. <clears throat> and I think we we as as older people, we all came through different generations. My generation, 
instructors themselves took a, a vast interest in our education and our learning the material and in us really understanding how important education was. My best teacher was the meanest teacher in the school. Her name was, I was in the fifth grade, E.J. Brown in the fifth grade. Her name was Beverly Hawkins. Didn't nobody want Miss Hawkins as a teacher because Miss Hawkins was tough. But we learned in that class. Um, and teachers back then, actually, I remember I had a teacher, her name was Miss Smith. She told the principal, she said, look, I'm about to make a home visit. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, who home she going to? She said, where you live? I was like, me? She actually took me home and talked to my parents in their living room. And it was a group effort to get me on that right path. For one, I feel like parents aren't allowing teachers to teach. I feel like parents aren't allowing the education system to do its job. You know, we the thing that's starting to become, you know, an issue at nauseum is our rights, our rights, our rights, our rights. We have rights. We have rights. Everything is not about your rights. Everything is about what's right. You know, if you feel like certain things that's going on in the in the school curriculum or in the school district or in the school as a whole, then you need to bring come to the table and look at why. Not just a, not just automatically be a, a enemy of the schools. The school system already has flaws because I don't understand how something so important to move our students and our young people in the right direction is so poorly funded. Well, I, I think it has to do a lot with uh, it's a social structure. So because it's a social structure, you know, everybody hates that uh, socialism idea in America, but we have a lot of um, a lot of programs that are a social structures, the military social structure. Um, you know, uh, school systems, that's a social structure. Uh, so those things uh, are driven a lot by politics, and then we wonder why they're not supported the way they need to be supported. Well, the reason they're not is because uh, America was founded on freedom, right? And uh, <clears throat> and the what we what we uh, and, and and we the people, right? So with that said, it's like the people are supposed to have the freedom to decide what, which way that they want to go and which way they don't want to go. They should have they should have a choice. <clears throat> well, the thing is, is that when you decide to put your child into a social structure like a school system, you you basically are saying, I want my child or student to learn these things that this social structure is providing. But you have the option to not do that and homeschool your child, right? Um, and if you homeschool your child, which most of us don't have time to do, um, if, you, if you're in cert certain socioeconomic situations, <clears throat> you don't have time to do. But um, if you homeschool your child, you know exactly what your child learning because you're the one teaching it to them. Um, but if you put them in a social structure they're giving you the information saying this is what your child's supposed to learn from this age to this age and they need to have all these things in order to, to move forward and you know like, okay um 
but those when those structures are put in place when that that thing is put in place and it's saying they're meeting these standards those standards are so bare minimum and so vague and you know because they have to be because it's kind of cookie cutter across the board right um that meeting the minimum standard does not mean that your child is you know getting getting everything they actually need to be a productive well, uh, the kids citizen. are not are not getting the the, <clears throat> the skills needed just to be at their level. Right. You know, the minimum standards are so low that it's not even on the level in which they're learning at, or the grade level they're in. Um, I also say this: the reason why I feel been now we both been in the education system, right? And a lot of people that make the decisions for school systems, which I really don't understand. Which I do understand. I understand it's political. A lot of people that make the decisions about the school system either don't have kids or don't have kids in the public school systems. Mm-hmm. And I'm just and I'm, I'm just baffled how if you have no fight in the game, you have as they old people say, I have no dog in this fight. How can you make a conscious decision on something that's going to impact young people when the impact doesn't affect your young people? If you're in, if your young people are impacted, I feel decisions will be made at more of a um, subjective mindset instead of relative mindset. It, it, right. I know I actually I I absolutely agree with that and that goes with everything in our poli- that that falls under the political realm, right? Um, we talk about gun control. Everybody that's for gun control and the type of gun control we should have, they are in governmental positions where they support the military and all these other things about where we use weapons and guns and all these other things, right? But you see what I'm saying? Like, everything is like, oh, I, I have these things, but we, I'm going to adjust it in this area. You know, like, uh, you're talking about the, you know, Board of Education, those people that sit on the board, the people that, uh, the directors of, of the school districts and all that stuff, a lot of those people, much older their kids already finished school or whatever, or or their kids never went to a school in that district, right? So you're talking about this, you know, president of the board or president of the or the director of the, of the school district. Even if they do have a child that's of school age, their child going to private school, but you're the director of a a, a, a school district that's affected primarily by your decisions you know, by your decisions and. All the people that you're you're overseeing, all the students that you're overseeing, and the schools that you're overseeing are in, you know, poverty-stricken neighborhoods, and you know, like all this stuff. It's like, how can you really? And you don't even live in those neighborhoods, so it's like, how can you really get to the uh, to the root of that? For me, I believe education is, is like anything else that we talk about it, and you know, as we come up, is that it's a community effort, right? There should be a four-pronged approach to education. As an educator, that's how I feel. Uh, as a um, prior educator, that's how I feel. Um, and I know that it doesn't. It's not going to exist. It, it just takes too much funding. I know that that's just. It's not feasible for how the how politics works around. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I left education. But um, there should be a four-pronged approach. One should be community. Two should be. Uh, family engagement and community what I mean by community is that means bringing in businesses that means bringing in like local businesses 
into the school system because guess what? Guess who's going to be working at these local businesses? Who's who going to be working at the McDonald's? Who's going to be working at uh, Jeff's Car Shop? Who's going to be working at all those places? Those students will eventually end up attriculating into these businesses, right? To, to be employees. So what is, what is that business looking for? You know, why wouldn't the business invest in education? Businesses should invest in education, not, not invest just your money, not tax dollars, which we know that they're not going to invest high amounts of tax dollars into, uh, into education from a business. Yes, do they get taxed? Absolutely, they do. But do they get taxed at the rate that the average person gets taxed to, to, in order to, for that money to funnel to education? No, they do not. So um, it should not just be your tax dollars. It should also be your uh, time. You know, there should be a community engagement. There should be in that community engagement from a business standpoint should be reaching out to uh, the public school systems. Right. Being present, uh, giving the students opportunities to uh, to work under you and learn about, you know, the craftsmanship or whatever, whatever other skills that they need to know come uh, as they trickle through the school system to be successful on your at your job or at your uh, place of employment. Then um, community engagement, right? Uh, that, that's, that's one thing. Then there's family uh, engagement. Family engagement. Uh, the school system has to take an approach to understand where families are. Now, do we do that already? Are there programs in place already for that? Yes. Um, but there needs to be a, uh, it needs to be a forceful, strong approach to it. And what I mean by that is, is that, when I was in a teacher, I, I did home visits, right? I did home visits. I, I went to the child's home that was one of my students, not somebody else's student, my student. I went to their home and tried to understand what resources they needed in order for that child to be successful. Uh, I worked closely and diligently with uh, students with IEPs, their, their resource uh, providers. Uh, you want to work close with psychologists. You want to work close with you know, if that family's seeing a, a psychologist, if they're if they have a divorce, or uh, you know any type of extreme or traumatic emotional uh, uh, like event happens while that child is in, in that home, you better believe it's going to affect his ability to, in, in schools. So, if the school understands what's going on at home, and I'm not, and you know, it, it that's that's going to be a difficult thing because everybody's like, I, I don't want you in my business, I don't want, but. If the teachers treat uh, treat their students like family, right? If I live in that community, uh, it's easier for me to to have a relationship with the parents. If I live in that community, right? Uh, because I see them at the grocery store, I see them places out or whatever at the at the library or wherever. Uh, my my children may know their children, whatever. Uh, my if I'm a teacher in this district and my kids don't go to school in this district, that that sounds that sounds weird. You know what I'm saying? Like they may not go to the same school, but for them not to go to school in that district, that's weird. I think too, uh, I think too, um, along with their, along with being, along with being that there's a different type of student, there, there is also a different type of teacher. Absolutely. And but that's you, why I said it's a four prong approach approach. So community engagement, uh, the family engagement so and then it's qualified uh and and um qualified 
professionals. So what I mean by qualified professional is uh, you're going to have to increase the pay and benefits for teachers so that the competitiveness to be qualified increases, right? I, I'm going to go get my master's. I'm going to go do these extra, uh, like my, my wife is early childhood development <clears throat> and family relations. She's preschool director. So she has to go and continually get education, right? Continually. Yeah, pro professional con development should never stop it should never once stop, you get a job. Right? Um, so, and part of that was, is that there sh you sh can constantly should be enhancing, uh, not just stagnant, right? I don't believe that if I've been a third grade teacher since, you know, five years ago, 10 years later, I'm still that same third grade teacher. That's probably not beneficial for that educator because mm -hmm. they're not learning new ways to teach. They're they're still trying to do the same old thing and just and just checking the blocks, right? Just to get by. Um, they may have so much zeal in the beginning and so much you know just vigor to educate with all these fresh ideas and everything at their grade, but then now, you know, 10, 15 years later, they're still doing the same thing because it works for them. They're, they're stagnant. They're used to doing the same thing. It takes less effort, but. We live in a changing world with technology and all these other things. So if you move them around, I'm not saying every year they need to be moved around. I'm saying let them, it takes about three to five years to perfect something. So go ahead and perfect your craft at the third grade level or whatever as a teacher. But then you need to move around. Go be a fifth grade teacher, a sixth grade teacher. Go be a first grade teacher. Go move around. Maybe go, you know, get a certification, go teach in the high school. Give yourself the opportunity to learn more and to have some flexibility and uh, and add some things into your toolbox uh, to be a professional, uh, not just someone checking in and checking out every day because it's become easy for you because you've developed a system. These students don't need a system. They need a uh, an intentional educational uh, guidance, right? And so that comes from a professional who's always learning, always uh, hungry to, to implement new things and find out because as education as the world continues to move the education should move education system should move with it right so we, we have technology is increasing we're learning all new things about the world around us and you know so it's like how can you how can you still be teaching the same way and the same things 20 years ago today that don't make no sense you know what I'm saying? Like, like, uh, like, uh, and I know it's frustrating for some people because I mean, my son's learning this new box method or whatever to do math or whatever. And I was like, what? Wait a minute! Whoa, 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 whoa! I ain't never seen that before, you know. But I'm like, okay, that it, if it's a new way to try to engage with students that may learn in a different way, then that's great. That is great. It, it, as long as it works, it's still two plus two still equals four. Then we good. Like, um, you know, it. There's more than one way to skin a cat, and that's good. Uh, there's only I've always been taught there's only one wrong wrong way to do something, and that's just not doing it, right? So you can, I feel like professionals constantly are trying to, uh, you know, perfect their their craft. That's what a pro professional does. They perfect what they do, um, and if you're just doing the same old same old because you have, you know, you know. 10 years of doing it and it and you've seen some success and then that means you're, you you only care about that top 10% of your class 
And the rest of them, you just like, either they're going to make it or they're not. Well, in, on the same token, you need to get teachers that actually want to teach. But that's why I said, if, I, if I'm giving you more money and better benefits... And I can now I can go seek out the ones that actually want to teach. Well, and you see I'm, what I'm saying and what, reason, what I'm saying by want to teach is, um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing young people who's education majors. When you ask them why do I want to teach, why they want to teach, well, we get every federal holiday off. But that's what I'm saying. We 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 get the summers off. Um, we don't work the weekends, you know. And I think, but that's what I'm saying. Competitive pay is where is where you're going to find the professionals at. Because if, if 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 most people most teachers starting out is all making you know forty thousand dollars a year thirty thousand dollars a year right that that's the baseline let's just say that's the baseline and then so all as someone coming out of college you ain't never made thirty thousand dollars forty thousand dollars a year then you're like well it's a job and I get these days off those are the only benefits that you're looking at right but if I but but if you put that person up against someone who's like, I'm, I already have my master's, I already have this, I already have that, um, I, I've already been teaching in schools, I've already done this or whatever, you've, you've increased your professional uh, portfolio. Now, if you ask me, hey, I need these type of benefits. I need this type of health care. I need this, uh, this type of retirement and, uh, and this type of pay. Am I more likely to pick up that person or that person? See, the school systems right now are more likely to pick up the people that's taking the thirty, forty thousand because it's about the budgetary thing, right? It's like we need as many teachers as we can get, so we just gonna get the cheapest ones. And the cheapest ones don't always enjoy what they do. They're just doing it for the for the uh, those subpar benefits, right? Those benefits that are just most jobs already have anyway. You know what I'm saying? And then mm-hmm. and then when they get there. Then you throw you pile on all this stuff that says, "Oh, well, you need to meet this requirement. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this." And you already knew that that person was already had did not have the desire to go out and try to get these things on their own anyway. And now you're expecting that from them. Well, I you know think, what I'm saying? I think too, from my experience, um, knowing a lot of some, of, well, a lot of my friends are in education. A lot of them do what they need to do until they get tenure. Because once you get tenure, you basically got to kill a kid to get fired. But that's why I say there should be a movement, right? It shouldn't be. I shouldn't just say, oh, you're in third grade for five years. And now, oh, now all you got to do is sit stagnant and just make it to the end, right? Just just, uh, ride the wave to the end because you're tenured now. There should be a set standard of evaluation. So it's like you did five years at third grade. Great. We're going to give you a bonus or whatever, but your bonus is contingent on you now going to go teach seventh grade or sixth mm-hmm. grade. You know what I'm saying? And so now that teacher has to stay up on, you know, the standard and stay up on being, you know, a better teacher and learn how to teach in different ways and all these other things. You have to have some. Well, movement. I'm going to say this. We as a country got to really see education as a true profession. And that's what and that's I absolutely agree with that, and that's why I was kind of going to that whole thing is that it has to be a professional standard. There has to be a high standard for professionalism for teachers. And right now we say it is, but the money and the benefits and the and the way that we require teachers to teach is not that. We're saying 
you need to teach like this, you need to meet these standards, and if your students don't don't score this high, then then we're gonna say that you're not you're you're not meeting uh, the needs of children or whatever, and you're not gonna c continue to get funding, you're not gonna continue to get raises at your school, you know, all this other stuff. But I don't think that's a a good way to measure whether that teacher is being effective or not. I feel like the thing is, you put that teacher at third grade, that they may not be great at teaching third grade. They may be decent at teaching third grade, but guess what? They made it. They made it five years there. They did. They learned what they had to learn, and then now they, because believe it or not, teachers are learning while they're on the job. It's not. It's not like they knew everything and they came in there great and all that stuff. That's why you have te the senior teachers around them to support them. You see a lot of school systems where there's four, four third grade teachers and they all have like a group where they work together like a think group or a work a working group and the the senior one is kind of like molding and helping everybody well that's great you do that and then you then you move you move them around now move that senior one because you got another senior one, senior one there that's been there a while too right after their five or six years there you move them around move them to another group so that person can learn so, because now they're not just pushing off old ideas onto new people, you move them somewhere else so they can learn more. Well, I think I think teachers need to learn just the fundamentals of pedagogy. I mean, because these young young teachers, that's not being taught like it was. I, I think that's kind of a general statement. Not all, you can't say that all young teachers are not being taught. Well, I'm the, saying in ones that I know that they're, they're, the concept of pedagogy. Because those are basic standards of education and, right. and development. <clears throat> and I would say at large, teachers are being taught that. And at what degree, at different at different places, that's that's where the concern is at. At what degree, right? Because there's other there's other theories, there's other that, methods and all basic, this stuff that, out there. But when you look at pedagogy and the and the sub headings that fall under it. There shouldn't be degrees of it. It should be this is what it is, or or this is what it's not. Um, nowadays, from the curriculum I'm seeing, and from talking to instructors who have students that are student taught, and you know they're doing their student teaching, they're they're more focused on how to manage your classroom. Well, yeah, because that that is a portion of of a of portion, teaching. a portion, but it shouldn't be ninety percent of what the curriculum is. Yes and no, I I agree with that. The thing is, is that the theories between behind behind education a lot of times don't take into account the fact that you have thirty five students in your classroom. You see what I'm saying? So it's easy to say these theories should be done this way, but those theories don't take into account. Uh, you're having 35 to 40 students in a classroom. You know what I'm saying? That, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of other things that play in there. And, and because as a teacher, you there's, there's a, a high level of psychology that's involved, you know, from the way that you set up your classroom, the, the, the visual and auditory aids that you have available, the, you know, the, the way that you talk, the way that you read books, the way that you do everything, right? Depending on the age group and everything, there's a high level of psychology behind uh, education. Um, so yes, I, I, and that's why I'm saying the degrees of certain theories that are being taught to different teachers around the world and around the U.S. 
um, it varies, right? But I don't. But I think it would be general to say that none of them are being taught a, 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 a standard theory um, specifically. So, but you know that goes into my my fourth prong of of tackling you know education in 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 the U.S. is um, is the psychology, right? Um, psychology behind education, uh, and that's not just I'm not just saying you know. <clears throat> Uh, 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 the structure of your classroom or or, or uh, classroom etiquette or whatever you want to call it or whatever uh, man, classroom management I'm talking about true psychology in education where uh, not a kid just doesn't go down the hall to the therapist and, and check it, check a block and go back we're talking about like true diagnoses and true um, um, uh, um, aids, psychological aids for all students, not just some that we can identify with major issues, right? Um, because as we know, at this time, I mean, with, with COVID going on and all this other stuff, like the and just the way that the world's shifting with so many kids just being exposed to so much information all the time, sensory overload, like those all impact the psyche of, of a developing mind, right? How can I keep a child engaged uh, at this at this time in, in the world when there's so much going on, you know, uh, but yet roadblocks can keep it, uh, but yet, you know, Call of Duty can keep their attention. You know what I'm saying? Like, so the psychology behind education says, okay, these things obviously are keeping their attention. So how do I find a way into that place? Right. Um, and that's why I said it's, it's a four prong approach. Every one of those pillars of approaching education have to kind of overlap. So, um, the community that, that students are familiar with is a online community for the most part nowadays. Right. Um, and if that's where their space, where they're learning most things outside of school, at then now we're at that point where we're teaching like that, right? We're doing the distance learning thing, right? Um, but are we maximizing those efforts? Are we engaging in a way that that uh, is actually helping them learn, or are we just giving them busy work, right? Uh, are we are we pushing them to their limits on on those in the in those platforms in those areas? You know, th that's what we have to reassess um, as we as we move forward in education. And I think that's the the assessment process of it all and the and the restructuring process of it all is is so slow that by the time we even do it, it it'll technology and everything else will have jumped ahead and we'll be doing it all over again. You know what I'm saying? Like it. And so it's kind of we're always trying to catch up to how we probably should be educating. And, and I mean, but that's, that, sh that shows, if you look in the past till now, it, it's always been happening. And the education system is always trying to catch up to where we're at in society. Um, when education systems should be ahead and the society should be catching up to it. If you look at how the education system was, uh, how, how educators educated in, you know, ancient Roman Greece, like 
a lot of times or even in uh, you know especially in Rome with the Catholic Church and all this stuff like there was a priest who you know taught the word taught the Bible and then there was discussions right that's how that's why now today we have Bible study on Wednesdays right uh, it was a discussion to talk about and clarify what they learned um, in scripture either on Sundays or whatever other days in their devotions and all that other stuff devotion it came from you know people reading on their own right usually a prescribed reading that was given to you by a leader so they prescribed a reading for you you read it in depth you may have you had you gathered all your questions and all that stuff and then bible said it comes around and then that's when you came around and said you know hey i i don't understand this part you need to clarify that for me give me a example or give me this or like how does this apply to that or whatever and then that leader who has more versed in that uh in the in the word was able to expound and give you a example that you can relate to and help you understand to bring your understanding up not to fall down to your understanding but to bring your understanding up you know what i'm saying so those are those the basics of teaching the very bare bones does not change right but we lose sight of that because of all the technology and and the way that we're so spread out and that uh capitalism and all these other things but the crazy thing is all those things can still stick to the bones of education and make it a strong uh platform well i also feel um the support system needs to be enhanced meaning that um they need more title one teachers um those teachers that pull kids out of class to get extra resources get extra help a lot of schools are cutting them down or 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 what they're doing is what they call travel teacher and that's what my brother does he's a travel teacher where he go to two different schools and give and try to pull kids who need the extra help but because a lot of schools don't have in-house Title I teachers, sometimes it can be difficult to give them that extra extra skills that they need just to get on grade level. Well, see, um, the, the, the thing about the Title I teachers is this, is that in reality, every teacher should be a Title I teacher. In reality. Do we, is, is that, and that's why it goes back to my thing about being professional, uh, having qualified professionals. Because the thing is every single student learns differently every single student learns at a different level or, or a different uh degree so our standard is so rigid that we want the student to come up to that standard and that's great but we want him to come up at t to that standard at the same time as everybody else and that's just not realistic you know what i'm saying like it's just it's just not realistic um especially with the amount of students we're trying to teach at all at the same time so it's just like you're trying to move 40 students from point A to point B. It's hard to move 40 sheep from one point A to point B. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. you could do it, but will one of them probably fall out and you have to carry one of them? Yeah. Well, and, and, and two, we need to also um, understand that some special ed programs still need to be implemented in schools. Some kids cannot be integrated into general population because they will be behind. Um, when you, you know, we all remember the, the classes that only had five or six students and we didn't understand it when we was 
in elementary or, or younger, but we knew those those students as we got older, we knew those students were the ones who needed that extra help, who might have some deficiencies, some little learning disabilities that it was a small class because they can get the, that skills needed to move forward. And I think a lot of parents is like, well, I don't want my child separated from that or that, so I want them in general pop. And what happens is... That's because there's a stigma behind it. And, and yeah, it is a stigma. I mean, it's a stigma behind it. And the reason I say that is because I was one of those students, right? So I, I went into a classroom that was RSP classroom, resource mm -hmm. classroom, whatever you want to call it now. But had IP, all those things. Um, I was diagnosed with dyslexia. Uh, so, but the thing was, was that... It, Yes, there were there things I needed extra time with. Absolutely, yes. But the thing is, is that there were other students that had uh, traumatic things happening in their life that made them, you know, a disciplinary uh, IEP, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or this in, in individual learning plan. So, uh, or ILP or whatever they call it now. Or what, uh, I'm not, you know, I haven't been in education for a while, but each one of these um, they stick all those kids in the same room right there's no difference between how I so you want them to be you're saying let's 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 segregate you so that we can focus in on your needs but then you're putting them in a classroom with a bunch of other kids with all different needs you see what I'm saying like so it's and that one teacher has to now focus in on uh, 14 different needs instead of where where before the teacher that was the their mainstream teacher it is focused on 30 different needs. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, it, 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 the whole premise behind that doesn't even make any sense. That's why I say, that's why I say every teacher needs to be uh, that qualified professional, right? Every teacher needs to understand special education um, because it, every student learns differently. I don't care what nobody says. Every single last one of them learn differently. One student, he may, he may know exactly what you're talking about in class. But guess what? He just he doesn't write very well. He may be the one that, that's engaged in the classroom, raising his hand, all this stuff. But when he just doesn't write very well, or there's another student who writes really well, very articulate through writing and everything, uh, but needs to hear you say it three, four times before it clicks in their head. You know what I'm saying? Before they're like, oh yeah, okay, now I understand. Or it needs to be explained in a different way. Um, there, there's so many different types of learning that it's impossible to say yeah th there needs to be more special education teachers yeah all of them need to be special education teachers uh every single last one of them that's why i that's why i keep on going back to that four-pronged approach um the competitive pay and all those things uh more funding in schools uh we spent we spend thousands and thousands of dollars on 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 detention centers and that we call reform reformatories but they but they're not reforming anything right they're just sticking you in a cell you know what i'm saying and, well, and, and kicking you out and kicking you back out but 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 the thing is why would we wait and why is that that's a such reactive way of understanding education understanding society and everything very reactive where we can be proactive and just meet people where they're at on the front end that way we can avoid the reactive thing right when we can save way more money you know, we we'd be throwing we could throw all the money in the world at education and be very proactive and 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 have success and have 
less I- issues with crime and all those other things. Um, our country can still be at the top of, uh, of producing, you know, some of the greatest minds in the world, being able to like uh, advance in technology and all these other things uh, to where we don't have to outsource work and all this other stuff. That's where we need to be thinking at instead of the reactive mindset where it's like, oh, we have people with, that learn differently. Okay, let's separate them. Okay, that's reactive. The reason that's reactive is, is is saying, okay, why don't we build the curriculums around the fact that everybody learns differently and everybody has different levels. And But the thing is, is that money is based off of a metrics. So if I'm going to spend this money on the school system, they need to meet these requirements and these standards. So if these students aren't moving or trickling through the system at this pace, then that school will not get the continue to get funding. But if they are, they will continue to get well, more funding. Well, that's what happened in, in Georgia. And that's when they had that big test scandal. Yeah, and then you see all the teachers passing tests for the kids. Because now, like I said about the sheep, one of these sheep going to fall behind. What they are, it's just from getting sheep from point A to point B, because that's what you that's what you are in a school system. You are literally a sheep because we're just trying to get you through. And so what they try to do is point from first grade to second grade, there's a standardized test. You have to meet these requirements in order to say you are qualified to go to the second grade. So in order for that to happen, they need to be able to you know count to this amount of numbers. They need to be able to uh, uh, add and subtract. They need to be able to write a sentence. They need to be able to formulate and read uh, uh, have an understanding of sentences and um, and comprehension of certain words and books and sight words and all these other things there's standards for that right and you're saying if they don't have this much this much comprehension then they shouldn't be in the second grade well okay they don't have that much comprehension but guess but guess what they do got they're really good at math you know that that's that's what you see a lot of times is that you see a kids are struggling in English but they're really good at math or they're really good at music, or they're really good in this. Where other countries, you know what they do? If they find out what you're really good in, and they force you in that direction. They force you in that direction. You really good at music? We're gonna force you over there. Are we gonna in- integrate math and English and all that stuff into that area? Absolutely. So if you're really good at music, we're gonna have you doing music, but you're also gonna be writing, uh, you know, writing papers that ha- that have to do a history behind music, and you're gonna have to do you know, the mathematics behind, you know, whatever, um, uh, rhythms and all this other stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, so you could still force it, force those things in that direction. You you could enhance their, their abilities by honing in on what they were already good on, good at, because it creates confidence, right? And then you introduce a mentor from the community, right? You introduce these things to them to help increase confidence because confidence is always going to make you better at whatever you do anyway. So you do that. That's why I say the psychology behind it, the professionals behind it, all that stuff, that four-pronged approach will increase the confidence of a student and in in turn increase their willingness to learn all that. Right now, students don't even want to learn. Students don't even want to be in school. Well, I think, too, we didn't have the – well, I'm going to speak for myself. I didn't have – my generation, we didn't have the – a shiny object to get our minds off of education when we were in school. When we were in school, we got geeked when it was just we about to watch a film. Mm-hmm. Now the film was educational, but we was just glad that we didn't have to hear the teacher talk. And when they turn the light off, we can go to sleep. 
or get over there and sit beside the girl we like and you know you know touch on her and stuff like that i mean <laughs> that's that's what it was in, in my generation like they said okay when we saw somebody wheeling in that film projector we was like, oh, we about to watch a film. Okay, cool. And it's gonna be thirty minutes. Oh, we good. So, so you say that, but then like when you went when you knew that you had auto shop this week, you was a geeked about school today. You know, you may only have auto shop two days out of the week. But them two days out of the week, you was like, I got auto shop. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean but what I'm saying about the shiny object is we didn't have to worry about nobody calling us on our cell phone in school, nobody texting us, nobody I'm saying distraction. Distractions. Mm -hmm. that, that's why I call it a shiny object because mm -hmm. nowadays it's just so many things teachers got to. There's so many things teacher teachers have to fight with in order to get their point across. Like how many times we've we seen on YouTube where there's a conflict in, in class because the kid don't want to put his, his or her phone away. You know, and 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 to a certain extent, I feel the system has handcuffed a lot of these teachers and really um, using the skills and training they have to teach our young people because the the, the inmates are running the insane asylum. We're so, th th we live in a very litigious society. <clears throat> so we're so afraid that anything we do, it's going to be a lawsuit. It's <laughs> going to be this. I mean, but, but I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the, the truth. truth. That's the truth. Because you can't tell a kid, okay, be shut up and be quiet and read. Oh no, he told my my kid to shut up and be quiet. I'm about to sue you. Well, sue me for what? The tone? Because we, because my generation was art. We dropped my my generation dropped the ball on so many things, but we dropped the ball on teaching the next generation how to make their children accountable. We we didn't we didn't do what we needed to do as a generation to help cultivate an educational environment because I got patterns. My uh, mm -hmm. It was so many times they'd be like, oh, go to the principal's office, you get three licks, you walk, I mean, whether it hurt or not, you just walked off, <laughs> went back to the class and okay, whatever. But that's why I say education system is behind the the society that we live in, right? Like, so the education system should be ahead and, and be proactive instead of reactive. So the thing is, is that, yes, you know, all those things happen. Like I, I went to Catholic school. So, yes, I, I, I got disciplined by nuns and all that stuff. Yes. The, that that uh, Catholic school also was not prepared for someone who is that had dyslexia or had a learning disability. Not not back then, right? Not in the early nineties. They they didn't know what that was. They was like, "What? You know, you got to do what?" So they put you in a room with like it was me and a Hispanic kid in a room, and they played with puppets during English and math. Now, I'm I'm serious. I'm dead serious. And I was like, "What?" I'm thinking like this. Like I'm not learning no English, bro. And so I, when I told my mom that, she's like, "What the heck?" And that's when they started busing me to the public school to go to their, uh, during English and math specifically, I left school to go to the public school to be in their resource class. So just just think about how difficult that that is logistically, everything, right? And then finally, 
my parents were like, do you still want to, because all my siblings and stuff, we got the chance to, you know, once you hit a certain grade, you could choose whether you still want to go to public or private school and go to public school. And we all was like, yeah, we're going to go to public school now. But we had to do our first few grades in uh, private school. That was just, we all had to do it. So it was, but it was, it was good. There were things good about it and there were things that, that probably we could have, you know, avoided later or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, so do you think, but, do you think private schools have the necessary tools to teach? I think they have the funding to be able to get those tools. They, they have a buku is basically, you could say they have endless amount of money and resources mm-hmm. and there's no one, there's no, there's not enough oversight for the, to tell them that they can't do it that right, way. Right, because they're so, private. So they're, right. they're, there's no, there's no superintendent or anybody to answer it's to. No, yeah, there's nobody to say that they can't do it the way that they're doing it. So that's why I say there were really good things about it and there were some things that weren't so great. But the thing is, is that all it took was one of those parents that have a lot of money, that donates a lot of money to school, to come in and say, you need to have this. And then they would do it. You know what I'm saying? So where the turnaround process in the public school for something like that is like, if I said that to the public school, it would not change until five years later and my kids are... If at all. Yeah, or or if at all. And my kids are already out of that school. You see what I'm saying? Or it takes 10 other schools already doing it and being successful with it before this school decided, this this school district decided to do it. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's the bad thing about... There's the pros and cons about private and public schools, right? There's a whole bunch, but, you know... But I would say that being proactive with education is important and we need to know what that looks like like i know that kids are distracted with internet phones and all this stuff right now you got them on 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 chromebooks in the classroom and then you think they're not gonna be on youtube right so it it took it took a while before the school system started blocking websites and stuff like that you know what i'm saying used to be able to get on anything now they're blocking it all right but it it was very it's very reactive no one ever said like but it, you know why? Because because older people are the ones that, that are that, well, that are designing the school system. I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna say this. So if I've always done it this way, you know, I've always taught math this way, or I've always, you know, we've always just said shut up and whatever, right? And and sit down and listen, and that worked for us. But we have to be proactive in the way and say, okay, technology is taking is taking a, a forefront in everything we do. Students are always on it. How can we get in front of it to make it more of a instead of a shiny object, but more so a motivator, a uh, accelerator for education. And so if I create it into an accelerator with benefits behind that acceleration, then it's gonna keep the student engaged. Like like I told a student, you want, oh, you wanna have a, uh, uh, all you wanna do is make beats all the time? You distracted on your phone making beats in class and all this stuff? Okay, cool. If you If you write me a letter on, you know, uh, getting donations, and if you get write down and sit down and get all the dimensions for for a studio and how much it's going to cost and all the supplies and all that stuff, and then you write uh, letters to get donations from different providers within the community, then I will help you make sure you get a studio in this school and you can use it, but you got to create a schedule to, to times to use it. You got to do this and you got to be at school every day, and you would not believe how motivated that student was. Now, I was able to get him to get involved in math because he needed the math in order to get the, to learn how to do the dimensions for the studio. He needed to learn how to how to manage a budget. 
in order to get all the money and funding for the uh, for the supplies and all the things. He had to be able to write letters to all these uh, different community organizations and, and businesses to get uh, donations. So his writing skills went up. His uh, his public speaking went up. His uh, ability to do math, everything went up, just because he was motivated to do something that he was interested in. So that's what I say about like if they're interested in music, push them towards music. Just make sure you're still implementing all the things that he needs to learn, right? Or if they're interested in biology, push them there. If they're interested in welding, push them there because there's a whole bunch of math and welding. Trust me, that. Well, let me just say this. And but that's that's the that's the United States school system period because what you just saying is how we feel in college mm-hmm. like why am I reading this I'm a math yep. ma- I mean I'm a, I'm a business major why am I reading why am I doing prerequisites why am I doing western civilization yep, yep. so yep. so basically basically what, we, what you're saying is and I concur to a certain extent is that that's just the universal standard of all education in the United States there's these other things and and that means the United States looks at um, education from a liberal arts point of view, because most liberal arts school—that's what they do. You do all these. Where liberal arts is actually supposed to be the other way around. It's well, liberal arts is actually a major, and that's. What, but, but that's what I'm saying. It's supposed to be a other way around. It's supposed to be this is a liberal arts school, so that means whatever you want to learn, it's there and available to you. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a, a, a broadening of your mind. But the thing is, you're forcing me to do these prerequisites. You're saying I have to learn about this or learn about that if I want to go to this school. You know, I have to learn the history of this, the history of that or whatever. But when that has nothing to do with me becoming an accountant, that has nothing to do with me becoming a lawyer, that has nothing to do with me doing, you know, those have nothing to do with anything. Now, will it will it be good for conversation? Will it be all these other things? Great. That's elective. Those are things that I that I, I want to participate in because they are uh, enhancements but not something that I should have to do in order to get where I want to go. So give me what I have to do in order to get to where I want to go. And along the way, you can push these little enhancements in there. But don't don't force me to have to do these enhancements because what you're going to do, you're going to lose me. You're going to lose my enthusiasm. You're going to lose my interest. You're going you're gonna to lose me in all these other courses because I'm going to be so bogged down with that other information. So I feel like from kindergarten to uh, about six or sixth grade, I would say, those are critical times where it's basic education needs. Basic, right? You, by the time they get to sixth grade, they should know how to read, write, multiply, and divide, right? They, it, those are key components for you to be successful, right? And you should have some comprehension of what's going on. So if I gave you a math problem that's a word problem, you can read, you can read it, right? Because once you, once you get out of school, everything's a word problem, and it, 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 when it comes to math, I mean the whole world is a world a word a word uh, a word problem, right? It, it's it's uh, I I I have this much gas to get to this place that's this many miles away. So how much and this how much uh, a full tank of gas? This is how a full tank of gas will get me this many miles. So how much gas do I need to get? You know what I'm saying, like. That is a problem that I have to be able to comprehend and understand for myself as a human being living on this planet, going from point A to point B. So if I don't understand the concept behind that type of math, then, or like this Snickers bar costs this amount of money, 
but I had this much money. You know what I'm saying? How much more money? How much more money do I need? You know what I'm saying? Like that. That's those are basic problems that every human being has to solve every single day, right? So if you need to get every student to that level, and then after you got them to that level, then it should always be about what they want to learn after that. Because if not, I mean, every high schooler, I would never want to teach high school. I would, and I, I, I taught high school. I would not want to teach high school no more if, unless they let me do it my way. Well, I wouldn't want to teach high school at the high school y'all had me at because... But at that high school was was a project-based learning education, right? Right. We, we pushed students to do what they wanted to do. We just made them use the skills that they should have learned from first to seventh grade, right? But, but in that situation, there was a mitigating, mitigating circumstances that hampered a lot of good intentions as far as the school on paper, beautiful. But that goes back to funding, though, right? That All, all, the, other, all the other issues go back to funding. So... Yes, on paper, project-based learning is amazing. But guess what? It eats up some funding. Like you need to have top-of-line computers. You need to have uh, uh, you need to have two teachers to every classroom for 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 fourteen students uh, or less, right? So if you have fourteen students, you need to have two teachers in that classroom for that specific subject. The reason I say that is because it's project-based learning. It's meant to be working groups and all these other things, and one teacher cannot cannot oversee working groups when it's thirty five students in in one teacher. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just not going to happen. It was difficult with ten students. In, in well, one I'm teacher. just going to say the the few months, the the four months I was there, I couldn't deal with the um, outside forces um, as far as. Dealing with kids who wasn't, they they just came to school because it was by law they had to come to school. Meaning that they had so many, and we could have taught them everything they needed to know. But that's why I said going back to their, what their interest is, right? Because that, like I said, with that particular student that I talked about, about the studio, he only showed up because he had to. He only showed up because he had to. And... The whole time he was there, all he wanted to do was work, play on his phone, and do uh, make beats, right? Interrupted other students, did all that stuff, was a troublemaker, supposedly, from the words of other teachers, right? But soon as you showed interest in something that he was interested in, and you were able to gear everything in that direction, now he he became one of the, the best students. Well-mannered, you know, all that stuff. His whole attitude completely changed. So it was like, and, and that happened for several students. So it's like, you cannot, especially a high school student, that high school age student, you're basically, by throwing like information at them that does not matter to them at that age, like they, they, don't, ca- they don't care about Columbus or nobody else or, or the Industrial Revolution. They don't care. Because they're telling they're telling you, what does the Industrial Revolution have anything to do with what I need to get done to make money to feed my family? Because that's that's what they're thinking in their mind. I I didn't eat last night. And that's and that's you know what I'm saying. But I didn't eat last but, night. But that's some of the problems I felt. I'm just speaking for myself. Me me M E M E. The thing that made me want to get out of education was the home life these kids was bringing to school sometimes. Or prime example. 
when a parent comes in and acts worse than the kid, I that that's a problem for me. But Which, that's long. But but what do you do? What what's the solving? parameter for that what how do you solve that issue well you talking about what how did i solve no, it no i'm saying what i'm saying is it's like we're talking about education and how and, and possibly how to make a better education system so if that's an issue in in the system because i like from what i was saying is it a four-prong approach and we're saying that family engagement is part of that so if the family is not engaged and not in involved in any of it or they have some type of you know issue that you that's making it difficult then how do you solve that it's some you know what though and th and that's one thing we have to understand Remember, and i'm gonna take this back to when we was coaching we even said some people you just can't save and, and that's true but 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 but, but you talking about public school system we talking about a, a, so, a social construct right well and and then too and we might not want to, to to agree with it, and we might not we might not see it as as it is. But there's going to, out of all the means of kids in the work in the country who are in school, some you're going to lose. Some some you might have to say, look, man, look, or young lady, a GED might be the best thing for you. But see, when you tell when you tell a family that, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that because you know why? Because they tax dollars still got to go to that social construct. So they feel like they pay for that social construct. So that social construct should take care of their needs. It should, but if you're part of the problem as a parent, then. And I, I don't disagree with you at all. I do not. Because I've been in that situation where I had to have a conversation with a parent who just did like, they were the problem, right? But they didn't want to believe that they were the problem. So I had to take the the, initiative or, or or be more creative and make a way for that particular pillar to not have to to not hold the whole table you know what i'm saying so so it's like can can we still get this student through this program successfully and them still benefit from it without that pillar so if without a parent, that family if a parent tells you Send them back to a certain school. If they're going to fail, let them fail like a champ. It comes to a point where, as I'm not an educator any longer, but that's where a, 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 a very mindful decision needs to be made. Mm -hmm. If a parent says that and the kid is not really engaged in learning, then a decision needs to be made because... When you allow things of that nature to happen, as far as a parent not giving the support to their child or the the school, then that can become a bigger problem. And then you can need them because we. I think sometimes I'm just gonna speak for myself and my my experience, mm -hmm. mine. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people in 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 leadership are afraid to make the tough decisions, and that's one thing I've always. As a, as a leader, I've always told everybody I work with or whoever worked with me, as the leader, I got to make the tough decisions. It might not be a popular decision. You might not like it, but it's a decision that needs to be made. And I feel sometimes you have to just, if, if, if a person don't want to do what, what you think is best, then you just got to make them do what, what is best. Because if a parent tells me, 
I don't even want them in this school. Let them go somewhere else. If they're going to fail, let them fail like a champ. Okay, for one, that sounds ridiculous as a parent. Then, you know what? Well, maybe we need to do that. Because we, we have to understand the educational system is flawed, but some things we can't make the situation worse. It's like having 20 kids and 15 of them crazy. I'm sorry, not crazy. Have mental issues that's holding back the other five. We have to understand, and I apologize for saying crazy. I didn't mean that in a literal. It's okay, they can't cancel us. <laughs> Good. But if you have 15, 20 kids and 15 have some form of mental issues, you have to make a decision say, you know what, I know we want to we want to we want to collectively educate, but we have to make tough decisions and this is not working. When you have a, a, a student that's been in school three years and they got six credits, <clears throat> that kid might not want to go to school and tough decisions need to be made. And that goes back to the psychological part that I talked about. So when I say you can't just have the counselor there and the therapist there and they just go down to the therapist's office and they check in and check out and say, oh, I, I met my my quota and I went to go see the counselor. I went to go see the, the therapist. <clears throat> no, the therapist needs to schedule mandatory meetings with the family to assess the family's needs, psychological needs, because you normally those issues don't come from the child they come from the family structure right that that child is just a, a byproduct of the issues that come from the family right so if they only got six credit hours because you know they they all they do is sleep in class all day or and and they cussing out the teachers or they jumping off the walls or whatever it is that is a byproduct from something else it is not the school's fault and it's not that child's fault it is something that someone at home is not holding themselves accountable for, whether that's being that, whether that's uh, financial, whether that's whatever it is, there, there's something else at home going on, right? Whether that parent has never been around or they lost their child and just got them back or whatever it is. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing or whatever. It happens to people and they recover from it and, and, and they, but there needs to be counseling for it. There needs to be counseling and there needs to be and, and because there's counseling and there's a teacher that, that's showing up at home doing home visits and understands those issues, they can help provide resources to mitigate that, right? So I, like the student I said that with the music studio, he, he had a situation where his, his mother had a disability. She couldn't do a whole lot. The sister, the older sister lived with them and the boyfriend was uh, living with them and got the sister pregnant and all this stuff and, and they sleeping on the floor and the, because the the, the social security checks or the disability checks ain't paying for nothing but the rent and not no food, right? Like, and it's all this stuff, like all these little things, but there's resources out there. You know, you know in, in the state of Kentucky, we got Frisk and the Frisk officer will come in and get, get the, that student clothes, uh, toiletries, food to take home with them on, on the weekends, all types of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So there are resources available. They, they'll even, if the student can't can't wash their clothes, there are grants and resources out there for schools to be able to get washers and dryers. You know what I'm saying? Because of them having students like that. So, but if you can't identify those things because the you're not involved with the family, you're not engaged with the family, whether it be psych with the with the psychologist, a therapist, and a uh, and the teacher being engaged with with the family, 
then you're never going to know any of that stuff. And it's never going to be addressed. And then that student's going to continue to act out. You know, if, if you were a student that, that couldn't take a shower and couldn't wash their clothes, and you come to school every day and somebody make fun of you because you stink or whatever, they're probably not going to come to school. They're going to fall behind. They're not going to have any completed credit hours. And then you then when they do start coming to school, they're going to make a fight or whatever they got to do to get sent home because they don't want to be embarrassed or whatever it is, right? So I, I, I'm a firm believer in none of those things for a child from from the age from five all the way to to 17. All those things derive from something either at home or in their community. And if you change that home and community to be a part of the school, then you change that. You change the whole concept. Because when, when I was growing up, when I... At that Catholic school, when I got in trouble or something, the nun would whoop me. Then I would, then I go back to the classroom. Everybody knew I got whooped by the nun. Now I'm now I'm all embarrassed. So I'm not trying to feel that feeling no more. So now I'm gonna do what I gotta do, and get straight, right? And then when I got home, when I walking home, you know, all my friends live in the community or whatever on the walk home, and they making fun of me or whatever, all this stuff. Then the then somebody mama here. Oh, so you was acting up at school? Oh, okay, okay. You know, you know better than that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you now you got your whole community involved in it. And we used to, the school system thrived during that time. When communities were closer, you know what I'm saying? Like, we thrived during well, that time. On that aspect, Marcus, I'm a little cynical mm -hmm. um, when it comes to community community um, engagement. I, I'm more so now than ever. Well, it's because of the, the environment. Nobody, right. nobody, nobody cares. Right. So and, it, and, 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 to... and I think communities are so di divided mm -hmm. and this is a divisive society that oh, we are so divided in everything yeah and everything I mean like anything that can be there can be division there is mm -hmm. from race to religion to to pol political standpoints I mean really I don't even have a political uh, uh, stance anymore I don't I don't I, I I'm, I, I'm completely apolitical because well because this is the thing. It doesn't matter. It don't matter whether I'm left, right, down, or up. It don't matter. Green, blue, purple. It don't. It do not matter what party you a part of, because at this point, everybody's just an oppositionist. Everybody. This person wants to raise the budget for this. This person don't want to raise the budget for that. This person want to uh, include these people. This person don't want to include these people. Just, just to, just to be oppositionist. Just to say we're a different group and we don't want that. We're gonna create a group just, just to say we don't want that. Or if you feel some type of way about something, you express that in your group. Now this person, this group say, oh, you wrong. Just so they can get the people that feel good with that that stance to come to them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, there is no real reason to, to be oppositionist. There's no, we agree to disagree. Well, in that aspect, there is a lot of tribalism. Yeah, a lot of tribalism. Very. very. Yeah. We can't just disagree. To, we can't agree to disagree. That, that doesn't exist anymore. If you disagree, now you're an enemy. You you are wrong. You are you are you know like I'm like. Well, um, I'm surprised today's was a good good subject. Um, hey, well, we might have to continue this. And, uh, no, we, no, we're not. We, no, no, we're not. Yeah, we're gonna have to because uh, no, no, I is, don't uh, care. If, I don't know. Yeah, we're gonna do a. Uh, uh, no, we're not doing a part two. Part two. This, this ain't segment. this ain't like these. These hey, ain't like these reunions. If y'all want a part two, you talking to eight people. Y'all go ahead and uh, and comment, send us a message, whatever, you know. Uh, I, I finally got me a Facebook. If y'all trying to find me on Facebook, Marcus Broussard, find me on Facebook. 
message me let me know that we uh that we need to do a part two if you really want to talk about this more if you have comments or anything that you want to say about this topic you know tune in with us uh reach out to coach smith uh, you can find him at von smith i won't give his whole government name but you know you can find um, him at von smith all my social uh, media on Instagram, you can hit me at mood, M-O-O-D, swing, W-I-N-G, 1914. That's M-O-O-D, S-W-I-N-G, 1914, on Instagram and Twitter. And you can reach me, Von Smith, on Facebook. And once again, if I said anything to offend anyone when I was speaking on mental health. They cannot. They cannot cancel us. You don't know who my head is. <laughs> You don't know who might hear. So, so that 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 was a slip of the that was a fraudulent slip. Okay. Uh, um, uh, what's her name? That's a word. No, what's her name slipped up too? But you know, no, hers wasn't forging. She she meant to say that. <laughs> she said that was some authority. But uh, no, uh, thank y'all for tuning in. It's always it's always a pleasure to sit and talk with you, Coach. And I I, I just hope the other people feel the same way. Um, I think this was a good topic, and me personally, I could talk about education all day. Yes, um, you can. Uh, I'm passionate about it. Uh, you know, my background, where I come from, uh, uh, and, and my experience in education um, here in the U.S. I, so <laughs> I, I definitely can uh, can uh, talk about it all day because I do kind of have a passion for it, but uh, the the way it's structured and the, what's required of, of the system uh, is just troubling to me. But, yeah. Coach. Um. All right. So, <laughs> till next time, you know, thank you all for tuning in and uh, continue to support us. We appreciate everyone that does. Uh, also, prayers for everyone right now affected by all the things going on in the world. Um, we definitely are praying for everyone. Uh, you know, I think, uh, I think it's just a, a time where we all need to start to come together. We talked about the divisionism and all these other things. Like, uh, think about coming together and, and, and getting, getting away from being so oppositionist about everything. Uh, I think that would be my takeaway thought for everybody to kind of take the time to reflect on that coach. I'll see you next time. All right. Holla. All right. We Peace out. to the gods. Listen up, you can be anything in the world.